Utah Jazz basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome everybody into the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. I'm your host, Andy Larson. Zach Harper joining me as always, co-host yes. of the show. Uh, I am the managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Zach Harper is national CBSSports.com writer about the National Basketball Association. Correct. I'm going to just say National Basketball Association every time like I'm talking about the NFL or something. Because sure. why not? May I also add... Uh, the host of the Iron Basketball podcast, which yes. is currently, or at least as of this afternoon, was tenth on iTunes for sports podcasts. Wow, no big deal. What's eleventh? Can we? I mean, can we drop a diss track I, on them? I or think something? it's probably like MMA or something like that. Some <laughs> some kind of sport I don't understand that would just destroy me in whatever okay. conversation. So you you don't want to get in a fight with the MMA people? No, like baseball, I think I could take football. I feel confident. Tennis for sure. Yeah. Um. Not Are tennis podcasts popular? <laughs> I got to feel like there's at least one killer tennis podcast. Out I, there. I mean, I would listen. To, have you ever listened to tennis on the radio? No. It's an no, amazing experience. It sounds great. It's, it's an amazing experience because they're just like Federer forehand to the left side. <laughs> Djokovic responds with a backhand across the court. You know, that would be just, so hard to keep up with right. if you're the play-by-play person. Yeah, they, I mean, it's kind of like listening to an auction. Sure. But, <laughs> like a, a, a trading bids of, of tennis shots. It's actually... That's why it's fun. Well, find the hottest tennis podcast out there, and I'll, I'll start feuding with it. Okay, deal. I'm in. We can make that happen. Uh, we're here to talk about the NBA and the Utah Jazz uh, like we do every week about this time, except for last week, but don't worry about it. We're, sure. we're here when, when there are no Utes games because, you know, this is the home of, of the University of Utah. We, we respect that. But that being said, it's been a good two weeks of NBA and Jazz basketball. Maybe less so for the Jazz. Not so much for the Jazz, but definitely an interesting two weeks in the NBA. Yes. Uh, as always, we want your guys' feedback and, and questions, comments, concerns. Uh, Mostly concerns. <laughs> on the show so you can always tweet us at andy b larson or at talk hoops on twitter you can call us also if you have really significant concerns you really want to voice them yes 877-353-0700 all right let's talk about the jazz struggling because we you know that's causing a lot of hand wringing within the state of utah right now you know our our hands are are bruised from all the ringing yes they're totally Uh, wrong why Why are they struggling so much? I mean, they've lost four in a row now. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, are, are you worried, I guess? what What's your what's your take? I guess I'm not worried. I mean, it would have been much better had the Rockets uh, not won last night. Right. Not had the comeback win because then you'd feel much better about the position. It'd only be a half game. Now it's one and a half games. I I think the only concerning loss to me was Brooklyn. Right. The other the other three in that stretch are losing at home to the Spurs. Everybody loses to the right. Spurs always. Yeah. Uh, they are undefeated. <laughs> they're on pace for sixty nine or seventy wins. Yeah, which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, they're not really undefeated, by the way, but they're undefeated in, in my soul. Sure. Like, they just seem impossible to beat. They have the Jazz's number. Actually, interesting stat on that: the last fourteen times the Jazz have played the Spurs, I think they're one in thirteen in those last fourteen games on the next game. So, oh, like, so whatever really about playing so. the Spurs just yeah. kills the Jazz's soul. 
for that next game, whatever I, it is. I guess that Brooklyn loss wasn't so so maybe that that's so that's why then. exactly. You know, once the Spurs steal your stole, it, it it takes a little bit of time to get it back. You have to go yeah. into Looney Tunes land and get your powers back. Right, and, in like Mortal Kombat, if you had your soul taken, <laughs> uh, you know, you had to put in another coin. Maybe they they were out of change. Yes. So that's that seems we're like a reasonable explanation. Yeah. <laughs> Either Space Jam and or Mortal Kombat. Right. Uh, <laughs> but equally valid. Uh, and then you look at the two away losses uh, at Boston, at Toronto, and, and those are games that you should lose. And quite frankly, the Jazz lost them by pretty much the expected margin. You know, it's, yeah. it's not like they got blown out. It's not like they've, they've been playing terribly in those games. It's just kind of a, a they didn't get over the hump in Boston. You know, it was a two-point game within a minute left. And yeah. uh, really, it was a Jay Crowder three that changed it and an Avery Bradley block. And then uh, the Toronto Raptors game, yeah, you, you get it within six with a minute left, uh, or maybe two, it was two minutes left, sorry, with, within six. Rudy Gobert misses a couple free throws, and you're you're never really in it past that. Right. So, uh, again, those aren't terrible losses. You know, you look at those on paper, and it, it's not bad. And ultimately, it's really only the Brooklyn loss that that's kind of concerning. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought the Brooklyn loss was bad, um, especially... Yeah. I almost would. I don't know if this is a smart way of looking at it. I almost would have rather they got blown out in that game, to just hmm. completely not have it that night. Whatever it's the the aftershock of playing the Spurs, however you want to categorize it. I think it would have been better had they not had the fight in them to come back and nearly win the game. Because I just think it's it's better to not have it some nights. Like I just think like I know we freak out about you know bad hmm. losses and blowout losses sometimes. Human beings just don't have it. They couldn't get up for the game, whatever. They didn't take the opponent seriously. I think you can respect that more than than just like just barely losing to a team at home that you should beat. I think that's more frustrating to me. Is it more is it more frustrating to you as an observer? Is it like is it concerning for you that they got close and then weren't able to pull it off? Yeah, I think maybe it's concerning to me that they got close and weren't able to pull off because there is such a disparity between how good I think the Jazz are and how good I think the Nets are. Mm-hmm. The Nets are scrappier this year than we give them credit for, for the most part, but there's still there's no reason for the the Jazz to lose that game. No. Uh, Spurs wizardry aside, like there's just there's no reason to for them to to blow a home game at Brooklyn or against Brooklyn. If they were at Brooklyn, I can understand that more because it's a road game. But I mean, they played at Brooklyn. I was there, yeah. you know, a month ago, and and we're up by thirty five, one by twenty two. You right. know, like it was maybe the easiest game for the Jazz all season. Right. And honestly, I I saw a lot of that in the first quarter of that game where the Jazz uh, were kind of using the same tactic that they used in Brooklyn to to success. They would drive the ball. Brooklyn's defense is very collapsy, yeah. and then the Jazz found open shooters based off that. The difference was, in Brooklyn, they made 9 of 16 of their three-point shots, and in Salt Lake, they made 20, I think it was 25 of 20, I think, from from the three-point line. You know, you, you yeah. look at kind of those percentage differences, and, and that's that's your ball game, you right, know, for exactly. the most part. And, and it's a little bit discouraging, I guess, that they couldn't then find another really efficient way to score against Brooklyn, who's you know, yeah. not a great defensive team overall, but... Right. Uh, Still, I I guess I I like that the Jazz came back in that game a little bit. Yeah, That's... I mean I, I get that. I just I kind of just feel like if you're not going to have it that night. Don't wear yourself out. I don't know yeah. if that's just the lazy person in me trying to <laughs> trying to. Right. You know. If you if you know you're going to lose, right. Then whatever. Uh, I, is the Boston game? Even though Boston's very good and they're at home in that game, the Jazz were in such a position to win it. Is that frustrating to you, or is it just kind of this is 
the way it was supposed to go. Yeah, no, I, I think that that to me I thought was maybe more frustrating than the Brooklyn game. Okay. Um, just because it would have been a big win. Sure. And there was, you know, I think there was a possession where the Jazz, I guess the Jazz could have won the Nets game on the Joe Ingles three, but that's kind right. of a, it's a desperation shot, you right. know, right? You know, Flip the coin, essentially. Right. right? You don't have a timeout. You're coming back from full court, six seconds left. That's not a, you know, you don't really expect to win the game at that point. Yeah. When Shelvin Mack hits a three to put your team up by two with less than a minute left, I think you do expect something better from that sure. point forward. That makes sense. Yeah. And and to me, that's that's where uh, a lot of that frustration came in. Whether you know it was the the Jay Crowder three again, uh, I thought the Jazz played decent defense on that possession, yeah. but it's hard because Derek Favors was guarding Jay Crowder and he's you know just not a perimeter defender. Right. Uh, or Amir Johnson getting that rebound with Rudy Gobert, that's frustrating because that's a that's a referee sort of thing where the call could have gone right. either way. Uh, and, yeah, so it's, it's... I don't know that the call could have gone either I know that there's allegedly contact with, with Gobert in the first place. I think that it's pretty egregious. Like I, And I don't, I'm not someone who's like, oh, the refs took, took that game away from them. They shouldn't have been in that position. They should have played better and not been in that position. Um, but to me, that was a... Pretty. I thought. I thought the last two minute report um, kind of shortchanged the entire possession. So you're happened. saying that that foul should have been a jazz foul or a no? A it was Boston on. Foul. Yeah, Boston foul. I think. Okay. I think Gobert got hacked. I agree with. I, yeah. I agree with you. Like I, I didn't see in the replay. You know, yes, Gobert grabbed Amir's jersey. I think the Amir Johnson's jersey. Yeah. Uh, but I thought the more, I guess, impactful foul was right. that Amir. I don't find that they, turn them I don't find that they cancel each other out. No, I agreed. Right. Yeah. Uh yeah, I I that the NBA that that last 2 minute report on that one specific call is was confusing to me. Yeah, I'll be very honest. Confusing. I'll just put it that way. Um actually the uh, okay, quick sidebar cuz sure. this is this is a, a point of passion for me. I I I care about the refs and I think they've uh and I've I've been doing a lot of statistical work with these last 2 minute reports. And it's interesting to me, like how frequently I disagree with them. Them, the what the reports yeah. find. You know that Golden State moving screen uh, by Draymond Green. What, right. what was that against the Rockets? I want to say. Uh, I mean, something like a week ago, where sure. it was just clearly a moving screen, wasn't called out by the last two minute report. And you know, at, at a certain point. Uh, if it's an incredibly obvious thing that, you know, I think all NBA fans would agree that that's a, that's a moving screen by any definition. Yeah. Almost as bad as, like, Carmelo Malone bear Miami? hugging. Uh, was it against Miami? Maybe it was against yeah, yeah, Miami, yeah. Because yeah. I believe Whiteside was... Yeah, that oh, makes yeah. sense. So, uh, I don't understand then how the, the last two-minute report misses something like that. Right. Well, the NBA does like moving screens. That's kind of the dirty little secret is that they don't really want to call moving screens. Yeah. It opens the game up a lot, and this is... Something that is, I mean, watch almost any team right now is setting pretty egregious screens. Like it, for a while, it was like Kevin Garnett's really doing this for Boston, and then right, and there's then only it, a couple guys, and then, yeah, and then Al, you know, Bogut does it a lot, uh, Draymond does it a lot, uh, Dwight Howard sets illegal screens. Like everyone's kind of sets illegal screens because you know every once in a while they call one to keep it honest, I guess, but it doesn't really keep it, it honest, right? 
Yeah, and and you know, for a month, it's a point of emphasis. Right, exactly. Last season, right, yeah. and then and after then, that, now no we're, one cares. Now it's just a free for all. Right, and, and honestly, I think the Jazz and kind of going back to that, I think the Jazz are are bad at setting moving screens. If that makes sense, right? They are. Yeah, like they're, they're they don't set really solid screens. They're either slipping it too soon or yeah. simply just not getting in the the attacker's way, and, and or sorry, the defender's way. And I think setting better screens for Gordon Hayward and Rodney Hood would help those guys out a lot. A lot. Especially, I, th- I think um, I think Hood is really good at getting the defender on his back, regardless, mm-hmm. um, and having that advantage. I think Gordon Hayward's game, like if he had Draymond Green setting screens for him, not even saying like the rest of what Draymond can do, but just the screens from Draymond Green um, or those type of screens from Derek Favors, like he would annihilate, like just absolutely annihilate. This is this is really random, but I. I- I kind of wish that the Jazz would have kept Kendrick Perkins in the Ennis Cantor okay. deal. And Kendrick Perkins is not a good basketball player, no. right? But, but he's a great teammate. He is a great teammate, and he's a legitimately great screener, too. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's his skill set. Is he that's learned from it. KG on right. how to set illegal screens. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just curious. I wish they would have kept him for like two weeks so we could have okay. seen Gordon Hayward and Rodney Hood operate with a good screener. Sure. Because I, I don't think they've had a, a good screener on this team since they you know, kind of developed into the players that they are now. Yeah, and then you get that, that veteran leadership of him teaching Gobert, him teaching right. Derek Favors. And right. it's, it's a pass it on, pay it forward type of deal. Now, I understand you don't want to keep a guy on your team who doesn't want to be there. And Kendrick Perkins, I don't think, wanted to be right. in Utah also, at the end of last season. Also, a guy who plays basketball the way he does in any way right. other than screen setting. <laughs> hey, he is a starter, okay? He started sure. tonight. Yeah, I mean, so, because Alexis Ajinsa fractured his sternum. Yes. I did that once. Very not, uncomfortable. Not good? Very uncomfortable. How did, how did you do it? Very embarrassingly. <laughs> Are you going to tell the story on I will, the air? Or I will. No? Uh, okay. I was. This is when I worked for an appellate court. Okay. I was in a mail room. I was leaning back in a chair to pop my back. Extended too far. Whoa! Hairline fracture in my sternum. How? Is that, I have no you... idea. The doctor had no idea how this would happen. Uh, it did get me out of like lifting stuff for six weeks, though. It was great in that respect. Did you, did you usually have to lift stuff? Is, like boxes that, and okay. stuff like that. Yeah. You just boxes of files. That's crazy, though. You're just like you're leaning just back, lean back, trying to pop my back. In a chair, crack my sternum. So what normally, now like I want to know what normally happens when I crack my back and it's right. not a broken bone, right? It didn't right? stop like, me from doing it. I do it a lot, but uh, I am a little more conscious of how, how far back I lean. Also, huh. cracking my back in like a twisting manner a uh, long time ago, long time before that, I uh, popped a disc out of, out of my lower back. Wow. That was uh, This is that like was legitimately game changing. Yeah, it is. Like, like you really have to be careful if you're going to do this. If you're going to adjust your own back, you've got to be careful. <laughs> Just we need like personal chiropractors just following us around at all times. I would love that, making sure that we're safely cracking our backs. I would, great, I would greatly love that. Um, what Utah were we Jazz. Talking about? <laughs> okay, yes, the Utah Jazz. Last two minute report. So last Celtics. two minute reports yeah. have not been kind to the Jazz. They're last in the league in these in call margin in those right. last two minute reports. I believe they're now a minus thirteen. I updated the numbers and and that's last in the league in terms of number of calls going to, for or against the Jazz. Uh, a lot more calls go against the Jazz, and I'm not saying that there's a. Uh, Conspiracy against the Jazz. There are some people saying that. I know there are, and that's (laughs) why I have to argue. That's why I have to say right now there's not a conspiracy. Because you look at who's uh, up at the top of the list, and it's Oklahoma City, clearly a small market team. Uh, And it's not necessarily a Stars thing either, because Cleveland's also near the bottom of the list next to the Jazz. So it's, you know, they have the star in LeBron James. Uh, I think it's just inconsistency, right? Like, that's the problem. 
I think it's inconsistency, and I think it's kind of the style of basketball that the Jazz play, where they're yeah. they're not setting moving screens, and they're they're not they're kind of a they play so many half court possessions, right? right. And they're kind of a movement based team where they're they're doing a lot of cutting, they're doing a lot of dribble handoffs and that sort of thing, uh, and, and of course they're working a lot inside with Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, and I think those sort of things are more likely to get uh, calls that are missed by the referees yeah. maybe because they're just letting it go in the last two minutes yeah i wonder um i've always thought that the aggressive team typically gets the calls that's kind of a cliche but i, I find it to be true mm-hmm. i don't find the jazz to be particularly aggressive in no, the sense that um i don't have anything to back this up this is just me you know trying to gather information from all my league pass watching and and watching the jazz up close i feel like the jazz run more offense than just about any team in these last two minute situations these clutch situations uh, and I think that that actually can maybe get you into trouble because you're not forcing the issue as much. You're not driving into defenders as much. They're running their offense, which is a good thing, right? Like hmm. we always talk about, oh, hero ball is, is so inefficient right. at, at the end of games. Like let's get teams that run an offense. So the Warriors, the the Spurs, um, who else does it? Someone, uh, the Celtics run a lot of offense at the end yeah. of games. The uh, Clippers used to sort of with Doc Rivers, but now it's kind of more of a one-on-one thing. Um, but now, you know, I think we get to a point where – there is some value in like, all right, I'm just gonna one four flat against this guy, dribble into the defense and try to draw a foul. But I don't think the Jazz have the personnel to do that, right? Like, I mean, maybe I, I Gordon could do it. I don't think Rodney could do it. Like, yeah, I think Gordon could could be could develop that kind of reputation. But it is also a reputation thing. Like those guys right. don't have the reputation of drawing fouls in that way. That sounds stupid and that sounds uh, unfair. But that is kind of a thing. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And I I just. I, again, I don't think that it's crazy unfair, um, but I do think that it has hurt the Jazz in, in some way, right? You know, yeah. and not having those calls. It's interesting. The Jazz actually have the fifth best offense in clutch situations. Okay. If you just look at the last two minutes with games within five points. Yeah. Uh, but they have the fourth worst defense, which overrules the fifth best yeah. offense. It's very part, Thunder-like. Right? Like, Thunder also very high efficiency in clutch situations on offense awful defense that actually makes them a negative so i don't know that you get two different stylistically teams more different stylistically different teams in the clutch than the jazz and the thunder for the reasons you just said you know the thunder have always been about give the ball to russell or or durant and get out of the way right uh why i mean how uh, what's what's wrong with the jazz's defense at the end of games I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe they're going. Maybe it's maybe it's going big. Maybe you're not able to switch as much. Like yeah. I think there are real benefits to the style and the construction of their roster that they have. But maybe at the end of close games, because of the way the the league has moved on to a more perimeter oriented thing and spreading the floor, maybe that just makes it harder to maximize a favors go bear combination. Maybe I mean uh, they do tend to switch a lot at the end of games. Yeah. Um, and maybe teams, you know, you know I th- Damian Lillard drove by Rudy Gobert when the Jazz switched Gobert onto right. him, you know. And yeah, I mean, you that's know a hard else, ask, but. Yeah, what else? It's a young team. It's an inexperienced team. Like, maybe they just don't have that focus. Maybe they're learning that focus, learning that process of how to buckle down into a clutch defensive team. Like, I do think that's very much a process. You can be a good defensive team for the first 42 minutes and the last six minutes, like, it can struggle a little bit. And they haven't been a good defensive team for long, right? Like, right. it's been since, really, the trade deadline last year that they kind of figured it out. Right, yeah, so it's not like they have 10 years of, like, this defensive-minded basketball that we play. Like, that's not really it. Right. 
No, I, I, it's, that's kind of the biggest question for the Jazz right now because they are nine and sixteen in these games that are within a possession with one minute left. Yeah. You know, that's a ton of games to play. Right. Twenty five games where you you have a chance to win it at the end and don't. Yeah. Uh, and if they can figure that out, you know, if they go five hundred in those games, they're in the sixth seed right now. Right. I mean, that's kind of your season right there, right? Yeah. That's uh, I, I you know I think fans get frustrated with this and and they don't like this. They want things to just kind of jump and progress and always like not everything is a linear, you know, step forward, step forward, step forward. Like there are steps sideways in, in learning the process of how to win games when you're a young inexperienced team. And that's just kind of what the it seems like the Jazz have gone through. I, you know, I watched something similar in 2013, 14 when I was covering the Timberwolves. That was mm-hmm. the team that was supposed to make the playoffs. They ended up going 40 and 42, lost a ton of close yeah. games. I mean, a lot of close games. They just could not take care of they had a great offense they did not have a good defense um and and, you know and for them they never got that next chance the next season to uh to try to build on that and see if they could if they could improve upon that maybe that ends up being the jazz fate where this season doesn't work out and and they have to you know recalibrate in the summer it doesn't mean make big changes or anything but it's just all right, this is what we failed to do last season. This is what we're going to do this season. But you do worry about the long-term consequences of that. You know, like Certainly, the 2013-14 yeah. Timberwolves, if they win the number of games that they should have in, right. in the clutch, you know, maybe Kevin Love stays. Uh, maybe they draw a free agent. You know, yeah. Maybe, you know, they get better trades because of it. Maybe, you know, Rick Adelman stays on, the, you know, coaching the team or something like that. I mean, there's right. a lot. There is, you know, kind of this sliding doors you know, wonder what if had happened, you know, had they come through in those games. And I think the same thing about Phoenix last season, too, where if sure. they had not lost, what was it, four or five buzzer beater on four or five buzzer beaters last season, sure. then, you know, maybe Goran Dragic is happy and, and yeah. they, don't, they don't have a point guard feud. And, and you know, it, and maybe that fuels you into other games that you maybe wouldn't have won anyway, but you end up winning because you have that confidence. Like, yeah, right. there is a big momentum there. Right. Uh, right now, you know, the big question everyone is wondering is whether or not the Jazz will make the playoffs. Uh, just a couple of estimates from for you from three different models on on the likelihood of the Jazz making the playoffs. ESPN's playoff odds say forty one percent chance the Jazz make the playoffs. In predicts uh, unpredictable dot com uh, says thirty seven percent, and then Basketball Reference says fifty point two percent. I mean, I don't know if those numbers mean any. Thing different to you, Leon. Flip a coin, or right. maybe a little bit less, and and that's the likelihood the Jazz make the playoffs right now. Yeah, as of uh, February 29th, uh, CBS Sports Line predictions had the Jazz as uh, uh, let's see, 54.1 percent to make the playoffs ahead of the Rockets. Um, or no, the, behind the Rockets at 58.6 percent. So, and and what as of when was that? This was uh, February 29th. Okay, so uh, this is before Boston and Toronto. Right. So what that tells me is the Boston and Toronto losses have not made a big impact on, on the percentage. There, right. right? In, like in this, those in, were expected losses. In, yeah, in it other seems words. like, right. And, uh, with, the, with the Rockets, they are starting a five-game road trip. Now, that road trip is Chicago, which, who is not very good right now, Toronto, who is very good right now, Philly, who is Philly, uh, at Boston, at Charlotte, both two good teams. I mean, that – that may end up swinging this back in the Jazz' favor if they can string together, you know, three out of four or something like that. Yeah, and, and you look at the Jazz's April compared to the other teams, and I think it's a, it's a lot easier. The Much March is harder. The, the the April is easier compared to other teams. So yeah. we'll see how the Jazz do in those sort of games. Anyway, we got to take a break. On the other side, since it's been two weeks since we had a show, we're going to recap all the different trades uh, on in the trade deadline, including one that actually was uh, – 
backed out of is, yeah. is you know the nice way to put it. Sure. Is, <laughs> we'll see if, if Stan Van Gundy has something up his sleeve next on the Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops Show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper with you. Uh, so, like we said before the break, it's been two weeks since our last show. Utah basketball last week. So uh, we are going to recap the trade deadline because there was stuff to talk about. And we never got to talk about it. And you all have been wondering how we feel about the Joel Anthony to the Sixers move. Right. Well, did it did it happen? Uh, I believe so. It, didn't that get, one, it, that, did, uh, they, it happened and they immediately waived Joel Anthony. But. Okay. Because I didn't know if that still happened because of the Moti Yunus thing. Because wasn't that all part of the oh, same Oh, is that deal? part of it? Was it? Was it? Okay. Then but I don't, know how the, I don't know how that works. Because <laughs> there was a time, too, where like the the Cavs had moved Anderson Verizhao in the Channing Frye deal, and then Portland waived Anderson Verizhao, and then he agreed to sign with the Golden State Warriors. But the whole time, like Channing Frye hadn't passed his physical. So I was trying to figure out what would happen with that. It's very confusing. But Channing Frye did end up passing his physical, right? He did, but... Berger was had, all, pretty much on the Warriors at that point. So right. what happens? So, Does he go back to Cleveland if that if Channing Fry fails the physical? Presumably. That's right. awkward. Yeah. <laughs> like you're in the Golden State Warriors parking lot and they're like, hey, by the way, you gotta come back to Cleveland. Oh, bummer. That's no fun. I mean, at least it's two winning teams, right? Like Sure. It it could be worse. Yeah. I, I do feel bad kind of for Mochi Yunus. I mean, especially for him because You gotta like, get away from Houston. Yeah. That can't be fun for him. Uh, l- let's talk about these trades. So uh, first, let's talk about the Jazz one because honestly, I-, I thought Kevin Pelton had an interesting point that this may be the trade that actually makes the biggest impact on the playoff race. Uh, is Shelvin Mack getting sent to the Jazz for a second rounder? Um, immediately became the Jazz's starting point card, right. which was both kind of funny and sad, and sure. <laughs> uh, has played well in some games and not others. Was was pretty awful last night. You know, zero for six, four yeah. turnovers. Uh, that's a minus tough 13 when he was on the floor. But in other games, he's been fantastic. Actually led the Jazz in scoring against Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, again, his first game against Portland right out of the gate, scored 16 and, and had six assists, which is something that only one game in one game has a Jazz point guard done that for the rest of the season so far, right? right? Like, so for him to come in immediately and play the maybe the second best point guard game for a Jazz man all season long was was nice. Yeah, it's very nice. I mean, I think you also look at the matchups he had in those two games, right? Like Damian Lillard, not exactly a defender. Right. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, not Ditto. exactly a defender. Uh, but you do have at least someone who you feel comfortable can take advantage of those matchups now, right? Right. Uh, you know, I was talking. I talked to a couple of scouts and a, and a front office person around the league. Um, about the Jazz within the last week or so, mm-hmm. and they were all, you know, it can kind of get a little, um, uh, I don't know, a little unnecessarily like measuring up in those cases, but, you know, they all kind of had the same ringing endorsement of like, well, the Jazz have three backup point guards and someone has to start kind of thing. Yeah. So it's not like that encouraging. It does re- kind of remind you, especially the game against Toronto, that maybe Shelvin Max is not the savior, but you get a bigger point guard who can play some defense, who can score a little bit, who can take advantage of those matchups, and you have all the all that in one guy. I don't know that he's – I mean, he shouldn't be a starting point guard in this league, no. but he's at least like that matchup guy that the Jazz can count on for certain matchups. Yeah, I, I... – 
Okay, Quinn Snyder put it to me like this. He said that having kind of three shots at it makes it more likely that they'll get more consistent play from the point guard position. Yeah, I think that, I, I think I like that. Yeah, I, I think there's something to that. But then on the other hand, you'll have nights like Toronto where it, it takes you, you know, 23 minutes of Shelvin Mack play for you to realize that he d- just won't have it tonight. Right. You know, like the matchup isn't going to work for him. Yeah, and I mean, that's a tough match. Like Kyle Lowry is playing out of his mind right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, just incredible. And then their backup, Corey Joseph, is one of the best you know, on-ball defenders in the league in right. terms of the point guard position. So that's that's a very tough one for him to take advantage of. Uh, you know, you probably like it to maybe figure out 10 minutes into the game that he doesn't have that matchup, but, uh, you know, that's that's also just a very it's a very good team they lost to. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, Atlanta got uh, traded Justin Holiday to Chicago in that same deal, Kirk Heinrich to Atlanta. I don't know if that moves the needle much. I mean, there's one... And I'm serious about that. There's one like diehard Kirk Heinrich fan on Twitter uh-huh. who will yell about you. Like I think it just searches out Kirk Heinrich's name, and he will <laughs> yell at you if you don't like Kirk Heinrich or if you make a joke about him. So that guy cares. Should I? Should I try it? Like it's can not. We do I mean, live? it's uh, it's entertaining. <laughs> It'll certainly it's a way to spend an evening. Okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna just tweet <laughs> mean things about Kirk Heinrich and see if this guy sure. comes at us during the show. Yeah. Uh, Lance Stevenson was traded to the Memphis Grizzlies along with a 2019 first-round pick in exchange in exchange for Jeff Green. Uh, Jeff Green has, I think it's fair to say, has struggled in his first few games as sure. as a Clipper. Uh, and Lance Stevenson is getting sparse minutes in, in Memphis. Yeah, not exactly a huge pickup for them, but the it's pick, about the, the pick. Yeah, the right. pick is nice. Um, you know, I don't like the way we talk about Jeff Green collectively. Like, we've seemed to be mad that he hasn't lived up to someone else's expectations for drafting him, mm. um, which I think is a weird way of, of – be- like, it's just a weird way to, like, beat up on a player. Yeah. I like the pickup. If they hadn't given up the draft pick, I like a Lance Stevenson for Jeff Green swap. That's the thing is, but with the pick – Right, but Doc Rivers also doesn't value the draft in any way. You look at his drafting history since he went to L.A., uh, you look at the way he's dealt draft picks. Like, he does not value the draft. So, I don't know if that's – an excuse for moving the draft pick like would he just butcher that pick anyway or not not develop the guy or is that part of a or does it show the bigger problem or can you get something better for a 2019 first round pick right exactly well although you also have to take on lance's contract i guess is, is part of that yeah but it's not guaranteed for next i mean it's a oh, okay. team option yeah, for next so year so you're whatever. it's really an expiring okay um, but good move for the grizzlies because they they turned like kind of a what what'll be a disappointing season even though they'll probably still make the playoffs uh, into a first-round pick. Yeah, so, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about Joel Anthony already. Sure. Uh, the headliner. Brian Roberts was traded to the Blazers. Yeah, why not? Woohoo! <laughs> Cap moves. Uh, Randy Foy was traded to the Thunder in exchange for DJ Augustine, Steve Novak, and two second-round picks. I don't mind that pickup for the Thunder, but I don't like what it's done to Cam Cameron Payne's minutes yeah. since then. He's kind of fallen out of the rotation. I think he was doing a good job. I think he should play. I was it Royce Young who said that Randy Foy is the new Derek Fisher. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> so look out, teammates, significant others. Yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> Randy Foy is very nice, right? You, you do you know the Randy Foy because he played in Utah, right? Oh, that's so, right. Yeah. Uh, the the fun Randy Foy story is that all the organs in his body are switched. Oh, are that's on right. Yeah, different sides. There's a medical term that I don't know for it, but like. And he has had to overcome whatever medical difficulties are related to having everything sw- switched on your body. That would be so weird to do the Pledge of Allegiance. Because you would have to go with your left hand, right? Or do you just have your right hand way over? That's a good question. We, I, I've never or you just fake that your heart is on the left side. You probably do what everybody else does so you don't like look See, now I would find weird, that offensive but... if they made me do that. <laughs> 
<laughs> so maybe next time the Thunder are in town or I go see a Thunder game, I'm going to ask Randy Foy, how does he pledge allegiance Kay. to the flag? Deal. I hope he's not, like, offended. <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe that is offensive. Maybe I shouldn't ask that. Uh, but, no, I think you should anyway. Just see what happens. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so, we, Channing Fry was sent to the Cavs. Orlando received Jared Cunningham and a, and a Cavs second-round pick. Uh, and then the Blazers got Anderson Vergeau, who they then waived. And the 2018 Cavaliers first-round pick, which is top-10 protected. Uh, again, good work by the Blazers to get a first-round pick there. Uh, Neil O'Shea is masterful at the deadline. Has really made some great, like, kind of just pickups that acquire assets in the process over the last couple of years. Like, he's he's very good at this. How uh, how do you feel about Channing Fry in in Cleveland? I like it. I mean, I don't know how much it adds because they're kind of log jammed up there, you know, at the position. But I think you, for a four minute stretch, you can run, um, you know, a, a kind of double pick with with Tristan Thompson and Channing Fry as the bigs, Matthew Delvadova as the guard, and you pop with Channing Fry to a three point line. You pick and roll. With uh, with Thompson and, and Del Vadova, and you'd see there. Do you want to give up the three point shot, or do you want to give the lob to Thompson? I think it's a nice weapon. Yeah, I, I think it's nice. You know, it's, it's clearly. I think it's a bench thing. Right? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, he may play eight minutes a game at most. Like, right, but and you know, props for them to spending the money. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Jarnell Stokes was traded to the Pelicans. Former Jazz draft pick Jarnell Stokes. Sure. He caused a minor scandal in Utah, by the way, when the Jazz traded his draft rights to Memphis. Uh, because basically, because nobody had seen him play before, and they thought they were wasting a, a pick. Yeah, basically okay. that that's it. He's uh, not good. So, <laughs> He's really not good. Yeah, this is this is where we are. Yeah, he will fight a teammate in the D League. He fought Kalen Lucas. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, uh, who's like more of that? Six one, one hundred eighty <laughs> pounds. Darnell Stokes is like six eight, right? Two ninety or something like that. I mean, big guy. More of that. Yeah, I so like it. At least he's he's stacking the the odds in his favor. And then the one we've referenced that uh, they they pulled back on the yeah. the failed physical for Donatus Montiunis and Marcus Thornton. Uh, they were traded to the Pistons in exchange for Joel Anthony and the Detroit 2016 first round pick. Uh, that was top eight protected, but it now goes back to Houston. A lot of weird ripple effects from that deal, yeah. from or non deal. Houston stays over the tax, right. uh, which means that they're kind of in the repeater zone, and uh, obviously more teams get more money from the luxury tax, which is which is nice for them. Miami was able to slip under, by the way, with right. the Beno, Beno Udra thing, which was controversial. Um, also controversial. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, you know, so it makes the Pistons worse this season. Right. In a world where Monte Yunus is healthy. Uh, but I, I think they they probably wish that... Houston wishes, obviously, that Monte Yunus would have passed that physical. Because that top eight first-round pick is is the biggest value item in that in that draft. Well, I think, or in too, that trade. I think Detroit probably wishes he had passed that physical, too. Fair. Um, <laughs> well, from the standpoint of, like, all right, let's say the Pistons miss out on the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're, I think, ninth right now. Washington surging. Maybe... The Pistons can't pull it together, so they end up with a 14th pick. Are you getting a player better than Donatus Montiunis in this draft at 14? I think that's debatable, you know? Yeah. Um, Granted, he's, I think, a restricted free agent, so then maybe you have to pay him a lot of money, yeah, so I, there's a cost-effectiveness there. Uh, but I don't know. Like, I, like I, that was the same way I looked at it with the Tobias Harris move that they made um, with that cap room. Are you going to sign someone this summer better than Tobias Harris? Probably not. Probably not. Are you going to draft someone better than Donatus Montiunis? I think maybe. I don't know. I don't like this draft. 
Okay, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I agree that this draft isn't good, but maybe I might also say that the, the pick itself might have more value yeah, than, than yeah. Mona Yunus does. Yeah, sure. Um, but then again... Especially with his injury history. Yeah. yeah. But then we've, we've looked at, we've talked about that twice now, and maybe they just don't have, maybe first-round picks have less value than we thought if they're being given up for Channing Frye, uh, Jeff Green, and uh, Mona Yunus. theory. Right. But how do you not get one for Tobias Harris? Then? Right. So yeah, weird. that was weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we talked about that. Right. But yeah, no, that's, 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 given that you got one for those three players, right. how did they not, how did Orlando not get one for Tobias Harris? It doesn't make sense. Anyway, we got to take a break. Maybe we're going to be talking about maybe the bigger deal in the NBA rather yeah. than the trade deadline is, is the buyout stuff that's happening. I mean, free money. We've got, I think, like 20 players who have been bought out or rumored to be being bought out or, or signing with different teams. I mean, China guys, well, there are a lot sure. of different options. The Chinese League MVP, thank you very much. Yes. Is, is back in the States. Chinese League, Michael, Chinese League MVP, Michael Beasley. Yeah. Uh, former superstar. Sure. <laughs> Definitely former superstar. <laughs> we will talk about Michael Beasley and, you know, of course, Jimmer Fredette next on the Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700. Hoops and the Association. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops Show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper with you. Uh, so we're talking about buyout guys now. Um, which guys, uh, there are, I think like 20 players around the league who have been waived and have moved teams as a result of this buyout period. And you can make an argument that like these are bigger names than the trade deadline guys. It's more active than the trade deadline. Yeah. It's um, a lot more. A lot more. So uh, let's just kind of do... News first, and then we'll kind of talk about who's out there. Sure. So, uh, Ty Lawson, it, it appears, has officially, not officially, but is... is it's a done deal. ...imminently signing right. with, with Indiana. Uh, that's kind of a weird one. Obviously, he was involved in that Ty Lawson for Trey Burke trade. Right. Uh, Houston wanted him out pretty clearly, and now he, he plays for Indiana, which I don't know exactly how they plan to use him. Backup point guard? I mean, you can, I don't think you can say... He's better than George Hill right now, no. based on how he's played this year. No. George Hill's been pretty good. Um, yeah, I like for him. This is proof that you can be part of a winner, right? Like yeah. it didn't work in Houston. It's not that he's a loser or anything like that, but like prove that that you're ready to contribute to a team as a backup point guard in Indianapolis, and then try to up your value a little bit. Try to help them in a playoff run if they can make one. And uh, and you know try to just increase your value for the summer, right? Because if if not, then if if he fails here, it's it's a bad sign. You know, you can make a case in Houston that the system doesn't work out, that he wasn't ever going to be good next right. to James Harden, etc. Et uh, if it doesn't work out in Indiana as a backup point guard, then uh, you know bigger you have bigger problems. I think. Then I guess you hope that the Lakers offer Rajon Rondo a deal that Kings don't want to also <laughs> offer. And then he goes to George Carl who gets fired a month after they signed Ty Lawson. I don't know. I don't know what the best case scenario is. Yeah, there. It's, it's not great. Uh, Michael Beasley signed with Houston. He's the Chinese League MVP we were referencing earlier. Uh, former second pick in the draft. Yeah. Michael Beasley. Four-time, three-time Miami Heat. Champion? No, just member. They, uh, just member. Because they drafted him, they traded him. Also, the and Heat didn't win that many championships. So no, that and not with him. <laughs> so none of those happened. Um, and then he signed with them during the LeBron time, and then he signed with them again last season. Um, but now, now it's Houston. Now it's Houston. Sure. I mean, I mean, uh, Josh I Smith wasn't enough for them. Right. Houston is is the king of acquiring weird. 
personal fits and then seeing what happens. Right. Well, here's the thing I didn't like about it. Is some people on Twitter were, and some smart people, like people I respect on Twitter, were saying, what, you know, what harm does it do? And it's not that, like, he's not a bad guy. He's not someone who's going to disrupt the locker room. He's actually a pretty good teammate. The thing is, is that, one, he's not any good. Yeah. So, it, like, we can play the, oh, what if card What's the with downside, him. but then right. what's the upside? Right, there is no upside because he's not good. And, two, he is a guy who is an inconsistent three-point shooter who doesn't defend, who takes twice as many long twos in his career as he takes three-point <laughs> shots. That's not Houston basketball. Well, the lack of defense is, is this year, but in, by design, like, that's not what Houston wants to be. So that's why I don't get the signing for them, other than, like, here's a name. Yeah, I, but, I mean, kind of all those things are true about Josh Smith. Yeah, well, Josh Smith isn't any good either. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, no, I'm just saying it's not the first time they've done it. Yeah, he sucked for five years, and they brought him back twice. Andrew Gatterlock also signed with Houston. Um, he not can a actually, Chinese league. He can MVP, actually play. Yeah, I think <laughs> he might be the bigger impact guy. Yeah, because he can shoot. Uh, Jimmer Fredette had a 10-day in New York, uh, is not getting a second 10-day. That is much to the chagrin of some people who host shows on this on this network. Sure. Uh, uh, you know, he. I maybe this isn't the sexy option. Go play in Europe and make a ton of money and be an MVP. Yeah, like just do it. Yeah, I I agree because you're not you're gonna make twenty two thousand in the D League, right? And like I don't get me wrong, like you have the dream, you have the dream. Like I get that, but you could have such a good career in Europe. Yeah, like it's not even like I don't even think that's like disparaging in any way. I think like you could have you could be you could be the guy. You could be the next Trajan Langdon. Like maybe yeah. that's not a sexy name to throw out there, but he had a great career in Europe. Yeah. No, I, I agree, and it, you can argue Jimmer is more skilled. Like, yeah, I, it's, I wasn't much off the bounce or anything, you know. Yeah, there's uh, uh, there's a lot of reasons why his game doesn't work in the NBA, and yeah. I think some of those reasons go away in in Europe yeah, or, or or lessen. You know, just you don't have the athleticism as yeah. as much as you you're facing slower point guards. And who knows? Five years from now, maybe they're like, wow, four time. Spanish League MVP <laughs> Jimmer Fredette. Let's give him a let's yeah. give him a three year deal over here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. Any oh official one still Chris Humphreys signed by Atlanta. Yeah, um, he helps them. I think pretty significantly. He rebounds. And yeah, they need rebounding and gives them more size, especially with Thiago Splitter's injury right. stuff. Uh, Jason Thompson signed by Toronto. Um, uh, Jason Thompson. In retrospect, the Kings starting him for six years straight or whatever it was. He's like the all-time leader in games yeah. played in the Sacramento era. Is is kind of it's, it's depressing. Pretty sad. It's yeah. very depressing. Uh, Andre Miller signed with San Antonio. I like sure. that. Uh, it's fun. I don't know again how much he'll play, but hey. Tim Duncan needed a veteran mentor. Yes. So Andre Miller went there. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Joe Johnson signed with Miami. That's probably the... I like that move a lot. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's... I'm surprised that he went with Miami instead of Cleveland, though. Um, yeah, I actually thought the Thunder were the best hmm. the best spot for him uh, just because how badly they need a shooting guard. But yeah. um, from what I heard, you know, shots mattered to him. Roll okay. mattered to him. He didn't want to hang on. He wants to be a significant tr- contributor as much as he can. And Miami, you know, he loves Miami also, so... It was just kind of a good fit for him. That makes sense. Uh, in smaller names, J.J. Hickson signed with Washington. He's not an NBA player. <laughs> Anderson Verzhao signed with Golden State. He used to be an NBA player. Was, yeah, I, I'm not convinced that he is anymore. Right. And that leaves a whole bunch of guys who have been waived but uh, have not yet been picked up. So those names are Ray McCallum, Tim Frazier, Tony Roten, 
Uh, let's see who else here. Darrell Wright it was not waived, but he was just playing in the Chinese league. Right. He can play. He uh, should be on a team. Uh, uh, yeah, Chris Copeland, uh, Chase Budinger was just waived by Indiana. Yeah. Uh, uh, any of those guys? A, do you like any of them for the Jazz? Maybe. Like, I like. I I think Darrell Wright's better than Joe Ingles. Yeah, I think Darrell Wright's an excellent player. I think he's a good veteran. How is smart he not guy. in the NBA? I have no idea. Like, he can shoot. Right. I mean, even even Julian Wright got another chance at some point. Like, right. <laughs> Darrell Wright's way better than him. Um, I think that, yeah, I think if the Jazz wanted to to take a flyer on him for the rest of the season, I think that would be a great pickup. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And you can make a case that, that he can help this team make the playoffs, right? Like, absolutely. Uh, you can you can make that case to him. And sure, maybe he wants to be on a contender and you're not going to offer sure. that. But if, you want, uh, uh, if he wants to make a difference, then yeah. I think Utah would be a, a reasonable landing place for him. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Chase Budinger, a little bit of the same thing. Not as good of a shooter. Right. Uh, probably not as good of a defender either. But no, he's not a good defender, but he, I mean, he had... It's a little bit more versatile. He had two pretty big knee injuries within a year of each other when he uh, finished out his time in Minnesota. Uh, he got over those by the end of that last season in Minnesota. He has his spring back. Like, he can move. You know, he's not a good defender, but he can shoot, and he's, he's got some athleticism to him. Who's better, him or Chris Johnson? Uh, pro- Chris Johnson's probably a better fit. Okay. That. No, that's that's fair. And yeah. I mean, these are kind of the questions that the Jazz are asking themselves right. as they look at this this list of names. Uh, beyond that, I don't know that anyone really fits. Chris Copeland can't defend at all. Dewan Blair, you know. I didn't even know Dewan. I'm a I, big NBA nerd. I had no idea Dewan Blair was still in the league. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, who else? Anthony Bennett, I don't think is no, good or and I don't think he'll ever be good. So yeah. there's Ray, Ray McCallum, I think, can play. I like okay. him as like a third point guard. I think huh. he could play. Well, can he be the fifth point guard on, on Utah's roster? Why not? He's a, <laughs> and here's the thing that everyone loves. Coach's kid. His dad's a coach, I think. Perfect. So, I think. I'm, I'm actually maybe just throwing he, family he facts about like him. He acts like a coach's Right, kid. exactly. <laughs> uh, but I like him. I think he's good. Uh, more, yeah, I, I think there's an opportunity here. Maybe the Jazz don't take it, but it, yeah. uh, if Darrell Wright doesn't want to sign, you can make a case. But if, if, he, if he's available, I like it. Agreed. All right, we got to take a break. On the other side, we go through all around the NBA, all the news and notes that have happened in the league in the last two weeks. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Uh, lovely ESPN on ABC slash ESPN music uh, from John, our producer. Thanks again, John, for, for being the human that you are. Uh, <laughs> Andy Larson, Zach Harper. We're watching the Spurs-Pelicans game and trying to figure out uh, what is up in the air about this this call that Kenny Maurer is so, uh, he talks to people with both hands on their hips. Like, imagine if you just right. walked up and talked to your, you know, if if we were talking today with my hands on your hips, that would be a really awkward thing. It feels like he's trying to guide them to his point. Like, I, like, <laughs> what, like he's trying to like, here, like, this is what you think about it. Here's where you need to be to think about it. But their referees, they should be on like the same side of this thing, right? Like, he, Maybe it's a disarming thing because like he's so much smaller than the players. That this is his way of like evening the playing field. I don't know how that would actually work, but maybe it's a psychological thing. <laughs> I don't know. 
He's also fun Kenny Mauer fact. He's also a tax felon. So because he was <laughs> sure that's right. <laughs> he was what cashing in first round ticket yeah or so first class tickets and something like every nba ref was right. trading their first class tickets that they get from the league for uh business or regular i don't know coach, coach class yeah. tickets pocketing the money and then not putting it on their tax forms and that's uh, only illegal if they catch you right but unfortunately when the whole body does it <laughs> somebody they, noticed right. eventually i don't know how that happened but regardless uh all the other refs uh, basically, plea dealed out of it. Got a misdemeanor, right. a, a related misdemeanor. But he, man of man of morals, Kenny Mauer, took it to court and, and pled innocence throughout. Ultimately, being found guilty and getting a him? felony. And uh, I think he had to go to like a go into probation for twelve months or something. I like the but, confidence in that. Yeah, I, I mean, he he believed in in himself a lot. I, I think when you have thirty eight other referees who have already pled guilty it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult to argue that you're the 39th guy who didn't do it but shoot or shoot (laughs) kenny mauer fun fun ref you know he also is famous for that four technical uh game in minnesota a couple years ago right um also throws the weirdest jump ball in the league does he is how does how does he do it he almost like tries to surprise them he like (laughs) kind of jumps into it almost getting in the way and throws it very awkwardly good yeah i like it and then didn't he was he the one that gave uh rasheed wallace a tech for staring at him or is that someone else oh Uh, no that was ron garrison yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. who was it that gave uh rasheed wallace a tech for saying ball don't lie Oh, maybe that was Kenny Maurer. I, I feel like that was Kenny Usually Maurer. Usually when it's incompetence, I just go to Ed Malloy, but that might have been, right. been Ken, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Fun referee talk. Salt City Hoop Show. This is this sadly is who we are. Anyway, let's talk about the NBA. Uh, l- let's start off with the big story from yesterday. First off, uh, sad news, I guess. Very uh, sad, yeah. Uh, Thunder minority owner Aubrey McClendon killed in a single vehicle crash in Oklahoma City, uh, essentially drove his car at high speeds against a a concrete uh, wall that was holding up a bridge and uh, died in a fiery car accident. Uh, The day before, he was indicted in this... What what was the exact uh, It was essentially... Federal conspiracy charges. Yeah, he, he... Two energy companies in Oklahoma had conspired to not bid on gas and electric leases mm. that were up, so it kept the cost down for those sides. Of, you know, illegal stuff, basically. Uh, yeah, and and these charges had a maximum the prison sentence of ten years per charge, right. which could have sent him to jail for a while. Right. Uh, in other words, it doesn't seem like a coincidence that this happened the day yeah. after this indictment right. happened. But uh, and you know was not wearing a seatbelt to add. Right. presumed likelihood of death right anyway uh in i guess sad nba news sad basketball news where people still get to drive home to their families yes. and whatnot uh danilo Thankfully. gallinari tore ligaments in his ankle out a month he's had a tough go like the knee injury that was really not taken care of all that well yeah it caused him to miss an entire season i think right yeah in the, the 13 end. 14 season um, and then this, you know, you just, he's such a good player when he's healthy. You just kind of hope mm-hmm. he can bounce back and, and get to a hundred percent for a full season. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, he was fantastic earlier, early this season before yeah, this injury really happened, good. you know, really good. uh, Chris Bosch has had these blood clot issues, uh, pretty, I guess, on and off throughout his career. You know, last yeah. year he had the same issue this year. Now it, it's, it's come back again for whatever reason and is, is keeping him out of play. 
they're still not announcing whether or not he's going to be back. Right. Um, it sounds like not, but I think they're just taking every precaution. Last time it was uh, the blood clots had gone to his lungs, so that was out. Like mm-hmm. he had to he had to stop immediately. This time I believe it's still in his legs, so there's okay. a little more wiggle room with it, I guess. But from what I've heard, I mean, maybe this was just unreported poorly, but that doctors are asking him to not play, and he's kind of trying to find a doctor who will say this is a good idea. that's what it sounds like. Which seems, you know, at some point you should just give that up. There's a type of blood thinner he can be on to still play, except the problem is if he gets elbowed in the face and cut or he falls and cuts himself like then you have a pretty serious situation then yeah you're bleeding all over the court right. and nobody wants that right that it's they, very messy they will literally stop the game for that <laughs> they do they do that's how this works that's the rule uh this one this was weird i mean we were talking about the trade deadline early but earlier but it was reported that the celtics tried to pry jimmy butler away from the bulls oh uh, my god uh, no one is more active after the trade deadline than danny ainge uh, in these stories why do you think that is because it's a, just a lot of like well i could have done this but i you know i backed out of it or i told them no and it's just there's he, no way that's true like if you can get jimmy butler for whatever then you do right. it. it it's just every time we have a trade deadline Danny Ainge's team and Daryl Morey's teams are the most active heading up to it. And then after the trade deadline's over, Danny Ainge is the one saying, like, I almost had this deal. Oh, I turned this deal down. And I just, I don't buy it. Do you think that's a product of, I feel like it's the other way, though, right? Like, uh, we almost had the the four first-round picks trade, right, Right. for uh, Justice Winslow. And, again, clearly that was Charlotte saying no, because otherwise four first-round picks is is a crazy offer, right? Right. I, I guess I don't uh, – do you think it's like a Boston media thing that's it could causing be. it? Uh, it? It might be. I mean, the Boston media can be, you know, can be aggressive, I right. would say. Right, but still, you're like uh, – this deal doesn't make any sense for the no. other team. They never do. Care. They never make any sense. Well, except the four first-round picks for uh, Frank Kaminsky makes sense for, for Charlotte. I don't know. We haven't seen Frank Kaminsky's whole whole career yet, so <laughs> we don't know brilliant. if that, that could have been lowballing him. Who knows? Fair. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it is funny. The other funny thing was that Sean Marks was hired as the general manager of the Nets on deadline day that itself. Was such a Mikhail Prokhorov move. <laughs> great hire. I love Sean Marks. Yeah. I, everyone talks so highly of him. I think he'll do a great job in a horrible situation where he has no assets to actually make moves. <laughs> but I think if anyone's going to do it, I think he's smart enough to, you know, figure it out by year three, year four. That's the question is whether or not they give him four years in order to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's Mikhail Prokhorov. So, right. I don't know. Because in the end, they don't have assets to get better right. before, yeah, 2018. did he lose half of his net worth or something like that? I kind of yeah. feel like he was like worth $16 billion, and now he's worth like $8 billion, which still a lot of money, but also a lot of money to lose. Yeah, no, but that that's fair. But then on the other hand, you know, they're still they still like did the Darren Williams buyout, for example. You know, right, yeah. some they did. They're doing some rich people moves, <laughs> uh, right? That you know, maybe a small market, low budget owner doesn't do. Yeah, probably. Uh, didn't he also? I think he, I kind of feel like he made a lot of money in acid wash jeans in the late eighties, early nineties. Is this real? I could be making this up. I feel like I read this somewhere. Uh, I I mean I want I'm that gonna, to be true. I'm look okay, it up look right that now. up because that's that's a story that needs to be reported everywhere. If if true that if Prokhorov is just a a genes genius, huh. uh, <laughs> oh. Kirk Goldsberry by the way was also signed by the Spurs front office. That's a good um, hire. No, I, we like Kirk Goldsberry. Yeah, great guy. All oh, right, let, here we go. Yes, tell me, Mikel Prokhorov got his start in the jeans business. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, his parents weren't particularly rich. They were sharp. His mother was the head of this. Uh, he put his money in an investment vehicle that would only have thrived in the late 80s, an acid wash jeans company. When the profits from his, with the profits from his denim venture, he continued his rise up the financial ladder and eventually invested in metals and made billions. Where did he get the money to invest in the acid wash jeans business? I, I mean, I don't know. You... Couch cushions. Just, okay. Yeah. Scrounge it together and Scrounge it's like, it put it all on acid put wash jeans. Put it all in acid wash jeans. This is the moneymaker. See, you hear these stories like, rich people are not better than us, right? Like, <laughs> they just got lucky. I don't know. I mean, Glenn Taylor, made his, the Timberwolves owner, made his money off like greeting cards or uh, something like that. Like, which, cool. Yeah, I know. Like, good for him. But, but uh, that you saw the acid wash. It's not like no one else saw the acid wash jeans thing happening. It's just like you got right. lucky that your your trend got picked before everybody else. Right. Also, like it's probably still a thing in Russia. <laughs> Maybe. So he's probably still making money off of it. <laughs> That's four billion of his eight billion dollar net worth is probably still acid wash acid wash jeans. Yeah. Business metals metals metals, metals. are out. <laughs> acid wash jeans are in. Chuck the Condor. Oh. So the Clippers introduced a new mascot because every team has to have a mascot. And um, they Steve went ba- with Steve this couldn't be there every game. Weird cost. <laughs> they went with this weird condor thing that looks like the, the Fruit Loops toucan. Right. It's, it's wearing safety gear. It has knee pads and elbow pads and a helmet. Uh, the helmet has the California state flag on the back of it. It's important if you're going to be doing tricks. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think they're <laughs> foam, so I don't know. Like, I don't know how the helmet is foam. I, I think I don't know. I don't know how regulation everything is. I don't know okay, if it's yeah, all OSHA approved, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a bad looking mascot. It's not a good mascot. It it's a tie in with Chuck Taylor's, which I like. Chuck Taylor's. I have a pair. I yeah. got blue ones. He was giving away red ones. Like I'd take a pair of red Chuck Taylor's if anyone's out there willing to give some away. Um, I don't hate the name. Like I guess so. I mean. I just think it's a dumb mascot. Like, I think if we're going to have mascots, make it something scary. Like, I'm terrified of birds. Most people aren't. Okay. Pierre the Pelican was a nightmare factory. So you like Pierre the the Pelican. I respect it. I fear him. (laughs) I respect him. Did you like like the the Brooklynite? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, No, the Brooklynite was... I mean, this isn't the Brooklynite bad, but it's not far from it. I I like the Brooklynite. Because okay. for, mo- mostly for name re- related reasons, like sure. I always mentally refer to the Brooklynettes as the Brooklynettes, like they're just yeah. all one sure. word because yeah. you can, right? Uh, and I felt like the Brooklynite was was helpful for that. Sure, uh, I think f- so. Fit into that scheme. Yeah. Also, they had like introduced him in a comic book where Amari Stoudemire was in their locker yeah, room for yeah. some reason, <laughs> uh, who wasn't on the team. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> just like, hey, we like Amari. We're gonna put him in here. That's uh, okay. So if you were introducing a mascot today, it would be big and mean and scary. Like uh, the jazz bear is kind of looks. I like the bear. Yeah, evil. I like the uh, yeah the bears. I mean bears are scary, right? Like yeah. If you've seen the Revenant, spoiler alert: bear attack. Bears are scary. Yeah, bears are scary. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you need to have like a terrifying animal. Like I mean, I get. All right, here's the thing. It's, it's got to be when family. You're the it's got to be family. Yeah, friendly, you right? gotta, you gotta exactly. Why not Clippy the clip? <laughs> you own Microsoft. Exactly. You have the rights to Clippy. He could easily do that. I would respect that. At least there's like some branding consistency. <laughs> I like that idea. I like that idea too. Yeah. Or just a, a a comically shaped ship. 
like cargo ship that just walks around. That just walks around. Two people in the in the suit. Ooh. One in the front, one in the back. See, that's innovation. Yeah, I like that. The, the arms are oars. Okay, <laughs> now, I think we could make this work. Steve Bomber, call me. Yeah, I, I got a design. Do you think that this is a a lasting thing? Because I don't. I no, think Chuck the Condor is not, not here for next I give, season. I give Chuck, yeah, a minimum of, a maximum of eight months. Who's the best mascot in the league? Um. I really like uh, I like Benny the Bull. I like the Bear. I like uh, Slamson. I like the Gorilla. Yep, Phoenix Gorilla. Uh, Coyote's really good. Yeah. Uh, I don't think if there's anybody. The else. Bucks, Bango. Oh, Bango's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and uh, the Pistons guy. Uh, oh, uh, who I don't know his name, but Hooper. Yeah. Um, Hooper is hilarious. Yeah, Hooper's great. Uh, the Raptors really good. Yeah. Raptors I mean, really good. The most famous GIF of all time. Sure. Is- <laughs> The the Raptor Raptor. Raptor. <laughs> well, uh, did you know that the Blazers have a mascot? Uh, no, I don't it's think like so. A, it's like Blaze the Trail, the trail oh, Cat. Oh, yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. And he's I'm got like the, the yeah. lightning tail. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Lakers have Nick Young. Right. <laughs> 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 okay. But Chuck the Condor is not an above average mascot. No, one of he the is, worst. Yeah. Get who's, out of here. Okay, who's the worst mascot? Um, Man. I don't love the Houston mouse. I don't like stuff the magic dragon. Yeah. Even he did such Wait, a good job Houston, in the dunk contest uh, isn't, though. Isn't that a bear in Houston? Clutch the bear? Is it? I'm almost positive it's a bear. <laughs> Does not look like a bear. Uh I don't like the thunder bison. Yeah. Uh just out of respect for Squatch uh in Seattle. Yeah, Clutch is a bear. He does Yeah, okay. He looks like a bear. I'm thinking of like his inflated form. No, he still looks like a mouse in his in his normal outfit. Anyway. Frank Franklin's really bad in Philly. Yeah, okay. Shout out to Hip Hop, who just left in 2012 for <laughs> <an> unknown reason. <laughs> That's right, because that was, that was a, a thing for a while. Right. There, was, there was significant drama. Yeah. All right. That's enough mascot that's talk. That's good mascot talk uh, right there. there. Was, uh, that's good stuff that you know we'll put on our resumes later. This, <laughs> when they run promos for this show, they're going to do that mascot talk part. I, I really can't wait for like someone in the jazz front office to go, all right, got to check these guys out, and then it's just eight minutes of mascot talk. That happens every week. The front office listens to our show, and it is—it's <laughs> a bummer. <laughs> and we're we're deeply, deeply I sorry. Hope, I hope Dennis enjoyed it. <laughs> yes. Uh, D'Angelo Russell had a great game of his—the uh, best game of his young career. Thirty-nine points, eight threes, and the the vine of him pointing to his veins, saying "Ice in my veins." Yeah, that's, that's great. a great celebration. That's great. That's staring right at the camera. Saying that, yeah. you've got the action with it. I can't think of like a better aftershot celebration you know vine. You know what's funny is uh, this was a running joke with me and my friends for a while because there was a game for the Kings back in like the late 90s where Derek Martin hit clutch free throws, like five or six clutch free throws, okay. and kept screaming like, I have ice water in my veins. I have ice water in my veins. And like it picked it up on the TV. So for a long time, that was like Derek Martin was, that was his thing. Yeah, so like I feel like he's passed the torch. <laughs> 18 years later to, <laughs> to D'Angelo Russell, who, by the way, good basketball player if Byron Scott gets out of the way and lets him play. Yeah. He's just, good. Just do it. Just, uh, There's a reason clearly, he was the number two pick. Yeah. Maybe your best player, question mark? I mean, him or Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. but and, uh, What a depressing sentence that was. <laughs> Let him play. Let D'Angelo <laughs> play. Uh, Warriors are still good in, but in new and surprising ways. Yeah. Uh, either by hitting a 38 foot jump shot from Steph Curry to win a game 
Or if Steph is injured, just have Draymond Green hit this ridiculous off-balance thing, picking the ball up the ground and, and just flinging it up at the rim and, and having it go. That's just good offense. Uh, <laughs> That's all that is. <laughs> to beat the Hawks. like uh, They probably lose one or two more for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I I really think like but they've seventy four and eight. I mean, what's the odds that they they hit the record? Like eighty percent at this point? Yeah, something like that. It's they're scary good. Yeah. Um. So, congrats. We're watching the best basketball team ever. It is, like I know some people are annoyed by them and are angered by them and don't like them. Like really try to soak this in. Like this is a special team. How many people are there? I always feel like Warriors well, I think fans I think overestimate how many Warriors haters that there are. That is certainly true. Absolutely true. That, and, and the Warriors themselves drastically overestimate how many the, Warriors that's haters That's the motivation, there are. right? Like, that's how they keep getting up for these games. Which is, at what point does reality slap them in the face and, like, it, they don't have any, they don't have that many haters? Did it ever slap Michael Jordan in the face? Aside from when he became, like, a meme? Fair. You know, I mean, I, like, I think that's what it takes to be. To be you that just great, have, you, you just, just have, have to, to manufacture whatever you can. Hmm. Um, and, you know, like, I mean, this is a, uh, like, Houston fans hate them, you know, because it's, I don't know, Houston fans. Like, there are fan bases that obviously do not like them. Cavs fans hate them. So, like, they're, I guess they're technically haters. But for the most part, like, just enjoy this. This is, yeah. this is something we'll probably never see again. Yeah, no. It, well, maybe we'll see it next year. I don't know. <laughs> that's like if Kevin Durant signs with them, right, then, then yeah, they will win all of the games, <laughs> and that'll be that'll be new and fun. And, right. Anyway, uh, Phil Jackson tweeted sure. that Steph Curry was basically uh, reminded him of Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, which actually, like, I kind of I see his point. Like, Rauf was a good shooter, yeah. and you know, did off the dribble shooting is basically the. Right. The similarity there. Yeah, if Steph Curry never played point guard, he'd be Mahmoud abdul <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And was, you know, 50% worse. Right, exactly. But, but other than that, spot on. Yeah. But I, I see his point. I thought he got a lot of hate for it. He only deserved a little bit amount of hate. 30% hate. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Knicks, a heckler complained to Carmelo Anthony about the state of the Knicks during the game, and then the Melo, and Melo said, look, James Dolan is sitting right there. Go ask him for his money back. For your money back. Right. That's bold. Did, all right. Did he need to apologize for this? No, I don't think he needed That's to apologize. That's ridiculous that he had to apologize for this. But, that, which I think he said, like, I, the owner made him do. Right. Obviously, James Dolan was clearly offended, but right. James Dolan is a crazy person. He's nuts. Yeah. I mean, he's he also wears ridiculous hats. <laughs> I was in New York. Him, uh, Mello La- wears ridiculous hats, too. Also, yeah, that's true. Good point. But uh, <laughs> Last season, I was in New York. I saw him in the bowels of the Madison Square Garden and uh, and just could not believe the hat he was wearing. I mean... He should apologize to the fans for that hat. That okay. They probably didn't see, but I saw it. And I... You want an apology. It's just... It's a... Just... All right. Hats... Like a baseball hat's fine. Yeah. These, like, adventure hats. They gotta go. <laughs> no one's Indiana Jones out here, Okay. That was like in the twenties. We gotta we gotta be done with these hats. I mean, no one's going on a safari. I guess if you go on a safari, wear the hat. Yeah, that's the best time. Yeah, I I see, and I I like the I like those. I I don't like wearing those. To be clear, I like I like laughing at Carmelo Anthony or James Dolan wearing sure. your adventure hat. Yeah, I'm into a top hat. I don't mind Carmelo wearing a top hat. Because it looks ridiculous, <laughs> right? But that's, that's what ridiculous. I want is ridiculous, yeah, exactly. and and more of that is okay with me, right. I guess. Seriously, yes, <laughs> yes, seriously. <laughs> uh, Cleveland kid had LeBron's likeness shaved into his head. You should check that out on you know the internet. 
and uh, also, look at that because that's impressive. Somebody had an amazing likeness of James Harden tattooed on their leg. Wow. Mm. I didn't I mean, see this one. Dead on, like Kay. NBA 2K level. Wow. Realistic, yeah. Congrats to the artist. Did sure. you know that uh, if you get a tattoo, that art belongs to the tattoo artist rather than you, the person whose tattoo the, the body is on? How are they going to get it back? I don't, I don't know. But uh, there was this lawsuit about NBA oh, right. 2K, right? Like the these tattoos that are on the players that are in the game, uh, can they use them without getting permission from the tattoo artist who made the the art, so to speak? I'm in the game as a as a social media person. Oh, that's right. Um, are are your tattoos? My tattoos are not are not in the game. Uh, also, my tweets are not in the game because it's a lot of like. Wow, really big move. Hashtag big trade or something like that. I would just never tweet that. I would never tweet that. Uh, your tweets are the same as Alex Kennedy's or whoever else is right, in the game, exactly. right? Right, exactly, yeah. But, I mean, does it, how does it feel to be in NBA 2K? It's great. Uh, it's my favorite game ever. And I, when I got a chance to be a part of that, I was, I was pretty geeked out. How did that happen? Uh, I was bugging um, one of the guys a uh, long time for, like, review copies just Kay. over the years. And then... They had this feature and just said, "Hey, you want to you want to join us and be a part of it?" And then I kind of helped them get some contacts for it, and uh, and I've been in it. I don't know four yeah. games now, three or four games, something like that. I, I mean, I I knew you through that before I knew you in person. <laughs> right? What a what an honor. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought I used I to like think a, a lot less of you. Yeah, no, you're like this guy's tweets are horrible, and then you started <laughs> following me on real Twitter. You're like, wow, this guy's tweets are really bad. <laughs> this is they're just a is, different kind of bad. Yeah, this is different. Still meh. Yeah. <laughs> Still not good, but different. Yeah. Uh, the Spurs did, by the way, just come back and beat the Pelicans 94-86 since we've been talking. Hey, so that? that's that's to be expected. Uh, okay, Anthony Davis, by the way, while we're talking about the Pelicans, scored 59-20 and 20 in a game. That's good. Which is many points and many rebounds, and to do it all at once is impressive. Shaq did it when he was mad at the Clippers for making him buy tickets. That's right. For his birthday. <laughs> uh, and then other than, that, other than that, it's been like Wilt Chamberlain. NBA players are hilarious. It's amazing. Like- <laughs> it's just a, it's a, I just want to know what it's like to be an NBA player just for the absurdity that I could cause yeah. on a daily basis. Like, you can get mad if, at your team for not getting you the, the requisite number of tickets. Right. And, then <laughs> and then having to pay. Drop 60-20 on them. Right, exactly. Right. Uh, and then finally, Kyrie Irving uh, didn't. Was it that he didn't play in Oklahoma City? He played due to nine the bed minutes. Bugs? His back stiffened up because he slept on a couch in his hotel room because of bed bugs. I'm, I don't buy it. I think he's lying, or I think he doesn't know what a bed bug is. You don't think there are bed bugs in in this hotel? Well, the the health department had a pest control uh, unit come out there, test that room and the room adjacent. They didn't find bed bugs. And he that said seems he, pretty clear. He said he saw one and that they had a that he got a bite on his forehead from it. And I don't think like bed bugs are tiny. Yeah. I don't think he saw a bed bug. I think he saw a bug. Yeah. Like maybe a spider probably, bit him. That's possible, but Come on, okay, man. So, Just be a man. Exactly. Well, okay. You say that, audio person, but I had a spy I found a spider on my pillow. Like, this is traumatizing for you. One or two weekends ago. Yeah. And things things were bad. Like I just waking up at like 2 a.m., seeing a, a a spider on your pillow and being like, "Nope, I'm out. I'm out. It's too far." <laughs> like I I I understand Kyrie's. I mean, I guess I I yeah, I wasn't the same person the next day. I uh, lived in fear. All right, I gotta admit, uh, when I lived in Miami, there were roaches uh, around our place because it's just a tropical environment. Yeah, and, and they just go inside for the. Cold or the heat or whatever, or just to terrorize you. <laughs> there was one morning where, it would, like, they sprayed in our building, so they would be dead. Like by the time they walked into the into the apartment. Oh uh, uh, no! But 
but they, I wasn't paying attention. Barefoot stepped on a dead roach. I wouldn't say I handled it well. <laughs> I would say that I w- I handled it quite poorly. Yeah, that would be that would be a bummer. Yeah. Uh, Barefoot, like if I had been wearing shoes, fine. Slippers, right. fine. Barefoot. Barefoot, that's, that's really okay. gross. It's really not okay. Yeah. Is it, okay, is that or a spider pillow worse? Um, Spiders don't really bug me. Okay. Huh. I didn't even mean the pun there, but <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, we're going to take a break because <laughs> we want to talk to James Herbert on the other side of this. Yeah. James Herbert, uh, outside the NBA, is going to be joining us next on the Salt City Hoops Show, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper, current dog owner, Possibly. about to be dog Possibly. owner. And just found that out during the break. Yeah, I just found it. I don't know. I'm getting a lot of pictures of dogs right now. I think I'm about to own a dog. <laughs> well, let's bring in James Herbert to talk about dogs and stuff. James Herbert at Outside the NBA on Twitter. Uh, James, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining the show. Um, you were you just watched the Utah Jazz play uh, in Toronto last night. What are your impressions on on what's going on with the Jazz? I mean, they've lost four in a row, but it's it's probably a little bit due to the schedule. I mean, kind of what are, what are your first impressions about the Utah Jazz team you saw? Yeah, I'm not too worried about them. I think they ran into a team that they just got really hot in the second half of that game. Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan when they're both going like that at the same time, they're incredibly tough to beat. And, you know, I, I don't think the Jazz played a bad game. Um, I thought in the first half they were actually excellent. Um, they just couldn't do it for a full entire game. But I, I still like their chances um, of escaping with a playoff spot this season. I, I, I love um, how deep they are at every position. Of course, it would help if they were completely healthy, which they've really not been all year. Um, but they're one of my favorite young teams to watch. They're one of those teams that I, I look for um, on League Pass, and I, I really love the young talent they have there. James, this is so weird to talk to you on the radio because we talk like like three times a week on a podcast. So this this feels like we're cheating on each other. Like I don't know, I don't know. This like, is like, with each other, it feels so weird to ask him a question right now because usually we're just you know talking about nonsense. But I, I'm going to try to ask you a professional question. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know how professional is. Uh, you don't have to ask a professional question. What do you, you, what you, try if you? Well, yeah, I mean, it'll probably end up being about cereal or something like that. But for right now, uh, what are your impressions of Derek Favors after? I, I know you talked to him. I know uh, you got to watch mm-hmm. him up close. I think maybe he's, I don't, maybe he's the most important guy for the Jazz just because of how good he is on both ends of the floor. What are your impressions of him? Yeah, I'll have a story on him shortly on CBSSports.com. He's an interesting player to me because I think he's he's steadily gotten better every year for the Jazz, but he's never had that one big, like, you know, this is his coming out party. This is the year of Derek Favors. I think he's better now than he's ever been, and he's a sort of rare breed of the power forward in the NBA because the league has changed so much for guys like him, for powerful guys like him. Normally, somebody like him would probably be playing center, but it still works with him and Rudy Gobert because of, just how great he is defensively and how he can switch out um, on the pick and roll, how he can contain smaller guys. And a guy like that, he's not the, the loudest guy on the court. He's not the, I mean, I've seen him dunk on two people and then his facial expression doesn't, doesn't change at all. Um, so it, it's not like he attracts a ton of attention outside of Utah. I think some of that is his personality. Some of that is the fact that, you know, he, he hasn't had that breakout. And he's never been like a huge story. But I do think he's one of the better young players in the NBA, and I'm sure 
you guys in Utah, when you get to see him up close, you really appreciate what he does because there just aren't a lot of guys his age. He's still just 24, as Quinn Snyder said yesterday to us, that sometimes people forget that he's 24 and he's still developing. But there's not a lot of guys that at his height, at his age, can affect the game as, you know, a great pick-and-roll guy, a pick-and-pop that from the mid-range, and then somebody who can play the sort of defense that he does. Yeah, it's funny. We talk about a lot about Rodney Hood and Rudy Gobert developing uh, to be better players than they currently are, getting new assets to their skill set, etc. Derek Favors is only one year older than those guys, and yeah. he's been in the league for, what, six seasons now? I mean, it's, yeah. it's uh, kind of crazy from that point of view because we're just not used to thinking of guys who have been this long in the league as, as guys who can still improve on who they are. Yeah, and that's what Snyder said was there's still a lot of room for improving on just the mental part of the game because he's still learning a lot of that stuff. I mean, he came into the league, and I think he was a kind of athletic marvel immediately, even the the first half of the year that he spent uh, in New Jersey that first season. And you've seen him grow. You've seen him kind of come into his own once he got that starting spot. Um, and I think he's already made a lot of strides in the NBA. But when I asked him and I, I said, like, you know, how close do you think you are to reaching – your potential or your ceiling. And he said, like, nowhere close. Like, he, he thinks mm. he can be a lot, a lot better in the NBA. And I think he's pretty good right now. Like, honestly, if he hadn't gotten hurt, I mean, Zach and I were talking on the podcast earlier this year about how maybe he'd be a fringe all-star. Um, but that's, that's how well he was playing on both ends earlier on in the year. Yeah, I, I wonder with him, you know, what the ceiling is and, and what he can possibly be. But even if he's just this player for the next 10 years, that's a really good player and that's a really good chip for them to – build around and it and it allows them you know you'd like him to be a little bit more versatile on the perimeter I think but you know they do kind of have the ability to bring back the two big man game in this small ball era and, and kind of really flip the game on its head if they can you know get Exum back he's a great defender like they could really just be mm-hmm. that that staunch defense that no one can really solve you know at, at their peak yeah and I think they're almost more dangerous now because teams aren't used to it they don't see it very often it used hmm. to be that Teams had to prep, like, oh, there's a stretch four tonight. Like, I think it's weirder now um, for a team to go up against Utah. They're like, wow, they have these two guys who are that good defensively and that powerful. Um, we really have to adjust to that because there aren't a lot of lineups that have that, especially with the youth that the Jazz have. So I think, yeah, he's extremely dangerous now. Um, if his mid-range jumper, if he can be more consistent from, you know, 16 feet, 18 feet, I'm going to add that to his game. I think that's when he becomes an even more unstoppable force, like somebody, especially if he improves his passing game as well. Like I think his offensive game is really solid, but it has room to be rounded out. And then defensively, I mean, just right now, like right now, he is one of the better defensive big men in the game, simply because you don't see guys that can like guard somebody out of the three-point line and then get back to the rim and reject a shot on the same possession. And, and he does that pretty frequently. I want to ask you two questions we've been talking about kind of during the show. Two unanswered questions. First one is, why isn't Darrell right in the league right now? Like, why why did he have to go to China to get a deal? Yeah, it's a weird one. You would think um, a guy like him, he could stress the floor for one of the many teams that, that need more shooting. I thought, you know, why wouldn't the Heat, who have experience with him, why wouldn't they bring him back when they've been desperate for shooters? All year, I know they have luxury tax concerns now, and they already went and got Joe Johnson last week. But before that, I thought they were a possible landing spot. I don't know 
what's going on with him. I was I was saw Delon Wright in the locker room yesterday, and I uh, the Raptors. I, I thought I should ask him about his brother, but then he got held up talking to some other people, and I kind of left it alone. But um, I'm curious as to what will happen um, with him because I think he's a guy that just with his shooting alone and with like, he's you know he's a veteran presence. He's not a bad guy in the locker room or anything. It was just it was strange to me that he had to go overseas, but I think now that, you know, he, he made that money there in China, he can latch on somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and then question number two, what are the best and worst mascots in the NBA? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a subject near and dear to my heart. I think my least favorite is Bernie. Um, he just seems like a very sort of vanilla mascot. Who is, who is Bernie? Where is he from? Miami. Okay. Yeah, I've done oh, him he's, up yeah, close. He's, he's not great. Ooh. I just I just don't know what he does. Like, I can't think of a Bernie moment. And the fact that you just had to ask me about, like, <laughs> who is he, where is he from, I think that that says it all. Um, it's hard to pick one as, my, as the best mascot. I think Betty's Bull is a legendary one. I think he's sort of iconic. Um, but aside from that, I mean, I think the gorilla is iconic, too. Um, I, I want to give some props to the Raptor, though, because I watch him, you know, 40-something nights a year. And that guy, first of all, it's the same guy since 1995 um, in that suit. And he is a tireless worker. He has come back from serious injuries. The man tore his Achilles a couple of years ago and came back way earlier than anyone anticipated. And I'm not sure he gets as much mascot attention around the NBA as someone like Benny or even like, I don't know, like Bango or whatever. But... I think the Raptor has always been one of the league's best mascots. Was was there ever con- a concern when he tore his Achilles that he wasn't going to be able to like go down the slide, you know, or go down the stairs again, or be a you know be someone who's able to interact with the inflatable mascot? I mean, were there, were there real concerns that maybe they had to find another dinosaur? <laughs> um, well, they had another they had another guy named Stripes who is now the D League mascot, but he's not quite as versatile as the Raptor. You, you'll notice. The Raptor doesn't do as many of those trampoline dunks and flips that he used to do, and that, I think, is because of the Achilles. But by and large, he still does all the same stuff he used to. See, the Jazz Bear is in a similar place where he had you know, multiple, I think he tore his ACL or something and was out for a while, uh, and since then has clearly been doing fewer stunts and is, is slowed. It's, it's, it's clear that he's on the downside of his career, and it's been the same guy for, like, 20 years. Uh, yeah. And, you know, by now he's, like, 45 or something, right? But like, Does the raptor do a lot of ladder stuff? Because the bear will get up on a ladder way high and, like, wave signs around. I'm wondering, does the raptor do any ladder tricks? I'll tell you, I have not seen um, a dinosaur on a ladder in a long time. I believe he used to. Okay, but I can't recall a ladder trick recently. I wonder, like now that you mentioned, I wonder how many of these mascots are veterans and have been the same guy for decades, and how many have been kind of switched out for new blood. Like I'm on, I am not going to reveal his identity, but I'm on the Jazz Bears LinkedIn page right now, <laughs> and he he went, he graduated from high school in 1986. Wow, so he's a pretty old dude. Wow, I was born in 1986. I was four. <laughs> I yeah, I I wasn't alive. Wow. So right, that so that he's still That's out there a, doing the mascot game yeah. is. I mean, what does that make him? That makes him like forty six, something like that. Okay, so we got him. We got you know maybe middle age is the correct way of opposing this. He's strong. He's a bear. Can he beat the raptor? I mean, we have an ACL injury and an Achilles injury. <laughs> Who wins in a fight, the bear or a raptor? 
well, I get in pulled, suits, of course. I don't even get seriously hurt. These guys have been through a lot. Also, I just want, I don't know who wins in the fight. I mean, I, I guess I'd probably take the dinosaur over the bear, but I'm not, you'd never see that happen. It's um, <laughs> an unrealistic question, this Zach. Is, this is maybe how dare you. This is maybe the opposite of those mascot birthday celebrations where all of them come and like have like play musical chairs, <laughs> yeah, and give each other gifts. And yeah, stuff. like maybe an MMA style fight, not right? The way to go. <laughs> like a fighting tournament. Do, do the Raptors and other teams do like the whole one mascot beats up another team's mascot like in game videos like the Jazz do? Yeah, they do that. Okay. They do lots of stuff like in game with like fans wearing an opposing jersey right, and yeah, end up right. with, like a pie in the face or something. But what I love about those skits is they never have a fan wearing like a current jersey. Yeah. <laughs> always some, like a retired designer or a player that's no longer with the team. And I always find that really strange. Like they, they don't feel like they can insult someone that is currently playing for that team directly. I think there's just I think not a lot a of budget issue. Yeah, I don't think there are a lot of there's a lot of money in game ops. So I think they go to a goodwill store or like go to the the, the clearance section on the website and just like all right, we've got a Frank Burkowski jersey for the Grizzlies. Like we're <laughs> yeah. just gonna go with that. I I that's think that's possible. what happens too. Although you would think that like the Jazz have a team store, you know, a store of other team stuff in their own arena. You could just grab the Derrick Rose jersey off the off the rack and then right. wear it for or, it. or off him. It's not like he's doing much of it. <laughs> Derrick Rose was probably a bad example. <laughs> I think it's very appropriate that the Jazz, like the Jazz Bear, has been the same guy for so long. It just fits with like. Utah jazz culture, like Carmelone and Don Stockton being around forever and them rarely changing coaches and all that. Like, it, it seems right that this one mascot will have, like, seen it all there. That's, that's the thing is, like, there aren't that many of those jazz lifers left. You know, Jerry's gone. Uh, you know, it's no longer Kevin O'Connor in charge. Great, uh, sorry, Larry H. Miller died, of course. Uh, you know, kind of these, these figures who have been with the franchise for 30 years and were around when Stockton and Malone were drafted aren't with the team anymore for the most part. Uh, Hot Rod Hunley died, you know, these famous figures. And so now I feel like the Jazz have to make new ones a little bit. Really, the only two guys who are left are the Jazz Bear and the, the PA announcer, Dan Roberts. Yeah. Uh, and those are like the, the last of, of the Stockton and Malone era. It's kind of sad a little bit. Is, da- is Damon Stoudemire still hanging around the, the ACC? <laughs> I believe he has a job in Memphis. Oh, that's right. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Um, maybe he can get fired and come back. Yeah, maybe. Uh, he was here for the All Star game. All right. There you go. There he's you a go. part of. He's, he's a welcome. part of Toronto he, forever. Honored him last year. I've got to say, yeah. this is the most basketball James and I have ever talked <laughs> on the airwaves of any kind. This has been great. Good. Well, you said that after we were talking about mascots for five minutes. That's true. <laughs> well, now we must take a break. Unfortunately, so James, we'll have to let you go. James, where can we read your work? CBS Sports. CBSports.com slash NBA. I was going to do it without saying the dot com. What, what a good website. Great All right. website. Uh, like I said, we got to take a break. I don't think we're talking about basketball next segment. No, so. <laughs> Look forward to that next on the Salt and Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. This song is probably the song that has like made the largest emotional impact on me as a human being. This is really? Shane Foster. Uh, it's a, the camp, I can't wait until I play in the NBA song. Okay. It's basically, it's 
great kid. Went to I think he went to Vanderbilt. Was drafted in the second round by the Dallas oh, Mavericks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, great shooter, and then forgot how to shoot, which unfortunately was his only talent, and that's why he was drafted. Yeah. Uh, and so as a result, you know, played poorly in his first summer league. Uh, played in the D League and then played in Europe for a while, but never really sniffed the NBA again. But here he is, about to be drafted, and he's writing the song that says, "I can't wait to play in the NBA. Like this is who I am, and I, I'm just so excited. I'm going to write a song about it and then play it on my piano and sing about it because sure. I'm super talented." And then, unfortunately, like never happened for him. It's heartbreaking. It's like, a you little can heartbreaking, yeah. Uh, everything right and still not achieve your It dreams. also sounds like he recorded it in the bathroom. Well, it's YouTube. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is a YouTube video okay. song, so I don't know. Well, maybe he's maybe he's the new, maybe he's the old Jimmer in the EuroLeague. Do we know if he played? No, he retired. He just retired? Yeah. Well, that's just... I have a Google alert set up for Shane Foster's name. Do you know? I do. Okay. <laughs> it's like... That's impressive. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. No, I, I'm not kidding. This song, like, emotionally devastated me. I've, I've written two articles about this song. Two? Two. Because uh, the jazz actually traded for his rights, by the way. Um, and I, I knew about the song before then. I feel like... I honestly felt, because I'm uh, very self-absorbed... I felt like that trade was for me a little bit. You sure, know, like yeah. Trade for a random draft right kid that's not ever going to be coming in. How about Shane Foster? It'll make Andy that's, happy. That's how I felt every time somebody acquired Ricky Davis. No matter what the <laughs> team was, I just felt like they were keeping him alive for me. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. That's, that's how I felt. So, Shane Foster, man. I'm sorry you didn't get to the NBA after writing that song. He did shoot 34.5% one year in the D-League for Bakersfield. You understand why he didn't make it to the NBA. Yep. That's, uh, it's not ideal. Right. Like in college, he shot like 45% from three. Yeah, it it like makes sense. 44, 41, 34, 46. It makes sense why he was drafted. It's just like one of those shooting guys that just lost it all of a sudden or yeah. couldn't adjust to the NBA three or whatever the case might be. But yeah. That was also the first time we've ever played an entire song in our uh, special music segment. It's because it's, it's not that long, first of all. It's only like an, a minute and a half long. But 220. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, okay. That's pretty good. Anyway, shout out to Shane Foster. Shane Foster. Yeah. Shane Foster for life. Uh, Maybe we can get him on. He's clearly not busy. We we can get him on. That would be weird. I'm I'm pretty sure like he's aware that there's this person in Utah that cares deeply about him and is probably weirded out by it. it. On Draft Express, his best case scenario is Jason Capona. Right. Okay. Could have been great. Could have been. <laughs> what could have been? Um. First of all, Thunder Warriors are playing right now. The Warriors are incredible in their ability to make something out of nothing. And they've shown it twice already this yep. game, and it's it's absurd. Klay uh, Thompson recently made headlines when he ranked the Harry Potter books. Uh, <laughs> oh, sure. And in particular said the Prisoner of Azkaban was his favorite uh, Harry Potter book. That's the third one. I, I agree with him. The Prisoner of Azkaban is a very good one. I like t- Tom Ziller's rankings of the Harry Potter books, though. Um, he has Goblet of Fire first, Half-Blood Prince second, Prisoner of Azkaban third, Deathly Hallows the seventh one, fourth, uh, Order of the Phoenix fifth, Sorcerer's Stone sixth, and then Chamber of Secrets seventh. Zach Lowe has the wrong idea here. And I love Zach Lowe, but I, he put Order of the Phoenix first? I'm just, uh, I don't know. I, I'm with Clay Thompson over Zach Lowe, and I, I don't I didn't think that I would that's the position I would be in in my life at this point. I've never read Harry Potter books. I've seen <sighs> I saw the third movie and was completely confused. 
I don't like wizards, and I don't really like British people either. <laughs> you don't like British people? <laughs> no, okay. team, team Revolutionary War. I'm patriotic. <laughs> I'm still holding a grudge. Okay. Like, I... I I can't be that guy that like judges you for not having watched Harry Potter, right? Like, there's just so much, so many things that I haven't watched. Like, yeah. you have watched l- definitely ten times more movies than I have, uh, and a lot of bad movies, a- and a lot like, of good right, ones too. Like, your Harry Potter is probably my Fast and Furious, right? Exactly. I haven't seen any of the Fast and Furious. You're movies, missing out. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a worse person in your eyes as a result. I understand exactly. that. Anyway, we got to end the show. If you want, you can listen to it as a podcast on saltcityhoops.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. My name's Andy Larson, Zach Harper, signing out. See ya.